0: This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly show, the Husker Online team will give you the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, baseball, and, of course, recruiting. Now,
1: here's your host, Husker Online publisher, Sean Callahan. Hello here and welcome to another edition of the Husker Online show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, and Nate Cloud says... As we kick off today's show, um, it appears Nebraska very close to finalizing things here with Bob Diaco's coaching staff. Um, Bob Elliott, a longtime coach, in fact, um, was Hayden Fry's defensive coordinator all the way up until Fry's last season um, in 97 or 98. uh, Was a uh, Kansas State defensive coordinator when they won the Big 12 in 03. Um, he was Bob Diaco's right-hand man uh, at Notre Dame, but um, this is going to be the new safeties coach in Nebraska. And you know, it, it's interesting because an early name did emerge. Daniel Bullock's came in and interviewed, um, but the more you look at this, the more you read it all along, I think it makes sense. I mean, Diaco wants one of his guys here, um, and this is almost a father figure type uh, guy. He was Diaco's defensive coordinator at Iowa when he played. Um, he's really been a coaching mentor and someone that I think Bob has leaned on his entire career. And, um, you know, you want that veteran presence next to you, somebody that can tell you how it is, somebody that you can trust. And I think that's, Robin, when I look at this hire um, that's going to go down, I think that's why um, they go with um, Bob Elliott, even though he's 64 years old.
2: Yeah, clearly you need to have that, that chemistry and relationship um, uh, when you're especially for a new defensive coordinator taking over with a staff that he didn't pick. I mean, you got to have a guy that kind of knows uh, what you're talking about already to kind of help translate the message, especially in the back end of that defense. And so, you know, with uh, you a know, young cornerbacks coach, Dante Williams, being able to have, you know, a mind like Elliott's uh, to lean on, uh, I think that's going to be invaluable in, in getting that secondary up to speed a lot quicker than it otherwise may have. And, um, yeah, I think just to, just the connection there um, it says a lot, but from a resume standpoint, uh, you're not going to find much better. You're talking about a son of a former head coach at Michigan. His uncle coached at Nebraska. Uh, he coached under Hayden Fry, he coached under Bill Snyder. So this guy uh, has been around the block and knows his football. And I think that type of experience and that wealth of knowledge that he has for the game of football will be invaluable for Nebraska during this transition. And I kind of
3: look at it as, you know, Diaco maybe being able to to split up um, some duties and, and being able to bring everyone up to speed a little quicker. Um, like Robin said, you, you know, Elliot could help the, in that secondary. Uh, Diaco, of course, is, is kind of a, an, expert, seven yeah, an expert with the linebackers and, and can kind of help bring along that front seven. And um, obviously, Elliott knows Diaco's defense inside and out and, and knows how he operates and what he wants and, and the type of standards uh, that uh, that he expects out of things. And so I think this is a, a hire that helps make the transition a lot easier. Um, and then, of course, he checks every box on the, on the uh, Mike Riley being an expert coach side of things. I think that uh, he checks off every box as, as far as experience. Um, you know, he's been around the block a time or two, and, uh, and he's not a bad recruiter. He's had re- success recruiting out on the West Coast, I know. Um, you know, coming from Notre Dame, obviously, that's a program that recruits nationally. So uh, there's, I think there's a lot to like about this hire.
1: You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Wash, and Nate Klaus, as we discuss uh, the hiring of Bob Elliott here as the final piece to... Uh, Bob Diaco's defensive staff and um, I think the question a lot of people though had is he got out of coaching at Notre Dame for health reasons Um, he had a kidney transplant uh, a bone marrow transplant Uh, age 64 um, you know you thought maybe this guy was this kind of phasing out into more administrational roles like he had at Notre Dame. So there was even a thought that, hey, you bring this guy in maybe to replace Ryan Gunderson as kind of a front office guy, um, you know, because of that's kind of what he was at Notre Dame, not necessarily a day-to-day traveling recruiting coach. But uh, that's not the case. I mean, uh, they, they want to go in a new direction. I'd be curious to kind of hear you know, Bob Elliott, when he does speak, just kind of where he's at and why he wanted to get back into position coaching. I'm sure the money, which is a lot better now than it probably was um, even five years ago uh, when you see a guy like Dante Williams is getting 400000 I have to think, Nate, the money – uh, for Elliot's going to be more than even what a Dante Williams is getting based on his credentials and he'll probably maybe even have some kind of title with him
3: yeah his credentials certainly will uh, will command a, a higher um, salary than what Dante Williams did I, I think uh, and that will be interesting to see if they throw on some type of, of uh, title you know I, I know uh, Elliot was a Associate head coach at some of his past spots. I, I know he has coached special teams in the past. So, do they throw a special teams coordinator title on this hire? Uh, I think there's a lot of different ways that you could go, but there's no doubt that that his resume um, in in the the places that he's been and, and his overall level of experience commands a uh, a high dollar amount.
1: You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as you put the staff together, Robin. I think now the question is, we are. You know, twenty-three days away from the start of spring practice—if you can believe that—how much meeting time, how much installation is going on um, now that things are in place. I mean, I have to think, if not already this week, Monday morning, all the way through the next few weeks, it is in the film room, in the media room, full speed ahead, figuring out personnel, figuring out what you're going to do because. You're approaching spring ball here um, in four weeks, and you've got to have a baseline of things to go here as you get ready for that first practice.
2: Yeah, I would imagine the bulk of it has already begun, and now even more so um, you know, as soon as Elliott officially is on board. Just because of the levels of, uh, you know, complexity involved in this, not only are you completely changing your base defense from a four, three to three, four, but at each individual level, there's going to be transition. John Perella is going from coaching four defensive linemen to three on the field. You got two linebackers coach now with Jaco and Trent Bray, both working with that position. You have two separate secondary coaches. Now, uh, we between cornerbacks and safety. So there are a lot of, uh, voices uh, in the, that defensive coaching room, and they all need to be on the same page because, uh, If the coaches, you know, aren't delivering the same message, that's going to create a lot of confusion uh, as this transition begins here in March. So, uh, yeah, I would expect that things have already, you know, underway and will only continue to, um, you know, hit the gas pedal even more uh, once Bob Elliott officially joins the staff.
1: And, Nada, I think, you know, one comparison I'll make on why it's important that let Diaco have a guy with him is Tim Beck. You know, when Tim Beck wanted to install his version of the offense, Bo Pelini had two staff openings on the staff, where Beck could have hired an O-line and a receivers coach. And he had guys in mind. Ed Warner and David Beatty, um, I believe were on the hopper to come into Nebraska if 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 they wanted to go that direction. Bo Polini obviously, you know, stepped in and, and promoted Garrison and, and, and brought in Rich Fisher kind of as an unknown guy onto this staff. And I think Beth, Beck, when he looks back at it, is that that was a challenge for him to teach a brand new system that not one coach had experience with. So I do think that's why, you know, you need to have a guy like this next to Diaco uh, as that Tim Beck example is when I go back on.
3: there's no question about it. You, you need to have someone on the staff who's at least somewhat familiar with what you do and what you're trying to accomplish. And, and I think Elliot kind of takes that to a whole nother level, having worked directly with Diaco in the past, and um, and and knowing his defense, knowing uh, what he likes to do with the type of personnel they have, and and I have a feeling that that uh, the personnel department at Nebraska, including Billy Devaney, uh, had things pretty well laid out in terms of exactly what they have on the team, what they have coming in, um, you know, on onto the team next this next fall, uh, laid out for all those coaches. I know Dante. Williams had said in an article on the, with the Lincoln Journal-Star the other day that they've been meeting six, seven, eight hours a day already and um, and that Diaco's a pretty passionate guy about his defense. So um, I know that uh, they've already got that ball rolling, and I think Bob Elliott will be able to kind of fit right in with uh, with what's already been going
1: on. All right, well, we have a full show on tap. Nate and I have been on the road all week checking out top in-state talent. We're going to tell you what we've seen on the road Uh, We're going to get an update on Husker basketball and and kind of the state of Tim Miles and and where things sit as Nebraska really has spiraled here uh, down the the stretch of this season. Uh, Then we'll take your questions in the mailbag and also give you an update on just the latest storylines in recruiting. That's all next here in this week's edition of the Husker Online Show. You're listening to
0: HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics.
1: And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan and Nate Klaus, fresh off the road this week. It's always fun, you know. Every year, Nate, we get the same question. Oh, signing day! Uh, it must be nice. You get to take a little bit of time off. And I just want to look at him in the face and say, absolutely not. We don't take time off. We're going to high schools. And uh, Monday morning, five high schools. We were in Omaha at 7 a.m. and uh, hit another five schools on Wednesday. Um, so, you know, typically the week, week one after signing day, we're going to hit 10 to 15 schools and just start to get a better feel for the best talent in the state. Cause you know, the history proves we've been able to see and find a lot of guys that weren't on the radar uh, on our in-state tour. This is our 14th year doing the in-state tour, Nate. And, and it's, it's, it never gets old to me. I, I love going in the schools. I love getting a chance to visit with the coaches, put my finger on the pulse and occasionally uncover a guy that people maybe didn't know about, like a Mick Stoltenberg or a Chris Walker, um, you know, recently uh, David Engelhop at Norfolk Catholic. I mean, these, these are um, people that we ha- get the opportunity to, to maybe get to see before anyone else knows about them.
3: Yeah, it's crazy because uh, sometimes I do feel kind of bad that you just, you know, the the 2017 class is just, uh, just in the books, just freshly signed, and all of a sudden you're you're turning the page and, and looking towards uh, next year and, and beyond already. But uh, it, it is a good time to always get into these high schools and be able to uh, to connect with the coaches and, and see what type of talent is coming up. and um, And and like you said, there's always there's always a handful of guys that you're like, boy, I had no idea uh, that that this kid was was here and, and was this good of a player or, or this good of a prospect, and um, and, and I particularly like when you come across a, a young up-and-coming player um, and, and you're able to kind of follow his progression for a couple years instead of uh, really getting to know a guy who's going to be a senior next year. So uh, And we've, we've found a couple of those young and up-and-coming players. I think that that 2019 uh, class, especially in the state of Nebraska, could end up being pretty special.
1: Yeah, I think, and you'll probably agree, the 2018 has probably four or five – you know, guys that are ahead of the pack, but there's already in that 2019 class, you know, a good group of guys that emerge. And let's start with Omaha Burke. I mean, that that was one, um, you know, we knew about Chris Hickman, the 6'6 tight end, because he got an early South Dakota State offer. But Nick Heinrich, um, he's a kid that I first heard about from Jerry Murtall, the former great Husker linebacker. Jerry was a speaker at our Big Red Breakfast. And um, his son, Ryan, um, who played uh, at – Missouri, as a linebacker, is um, one of the defensive – I believe he's the defensive coordinator or um, you know, coaches on LaMaji's staff there at Burke. And, um, so Jerry goes to those games, and he goes, you want to see a kid that can play, go look at Nick Heinrich, um, a sophomore linebacker at Omaha Burke. This kid's going to be special. He's 6'3", he's 195, he runs under 50 seconds, Nate, in the 400 meters, had 15 and a half sacks in 10 games last year.
3: Yeah, he's a, uh, I mean, talk about a, a kid, um, a sideline to sideline type of of linebacker, a kid that can get downhill and and he's physical. He when he hits somebody, they are uh, they're stopped dead in their tracks. He's usually hitting somebody so hard that the ball's popping out, or he you know he's creating some sort of play. Uh, but I mean, he's like a missile out there on the field. Um, definitely uh, a legit six foot three. You know, he's 195 pounds right now, and I think that uh, he'll continue to to fill out obviously but um, I like the multi-sport kids too he he plays basketball he's track yeah he's throwing down some dunks on on the basketball court Uh, he's a like you said a a sub 50 second 400 meter he also runs the 200 and a couple of the other relays I mean he is a a legit prospect Oklahoma Iowa State have already been through uh, to see him and and I think Iowa State could be you know pretty close to offering him actually and um, I, I think, as from what I've seen so far, I think he's a no-brainer, probably a surefire, you know, Nebraska Husker, offer right. kid. Stay,
1: if he stays healthy, and yeah, if he
3: stays healthy and everything, you know, he's a smart kid too. He's got his academics in order. So, I mean, really, is is looking like he could be the total package for that 2019 class. You're listening
1: here to the Husker Online Show. Uh, the segment of the show brought to you by Tanner Sports Bar and Grill with seven locations: five in Omaha, two in Lincoln. Um, perfect place to catch your college basketball action here this weekend. But, Nate, as, as you um, you know, kind of look even in that 2019 class, Hickman, the tight end as well, I mean, he, he's he got a chance to develop. So, yeah, Burke is one to watch. Omaha North has two really talented guys. Xander Gray, the the sophomore running back, 6'1", 235. Uh, my only question with him is, is there a point where he gets too big? Is he going to have to kind of reshape it a little bit? He's a young kid, uh, but, you know, physically, um, you know, he passes the test for what he did as a sophomore.
3: Yeah, super productive as a sophomore at Omaha North um he's a big kid he's powerful runner but he's got great feet in in, in, in balance I, I feel like he's pretty nimble on his feet for his being as big as as he is you know he's not just a a bull in a in a china shop there he, he's uh um you know can he's got a little finesse to his game too so uh but yeah I think the his size his, his weight is is the question to me is you know how how can he keep that in, in check can he lose a, a 10 15 pounds and and kind of hover in that that 210 to you know 215 range and stay there or can he uh, you know kind of drop a little bad weight and, and be or, or completely rocked up 230 235 and and just be a monster big back there uh, that are, you know there's a couple programs in the region that, that like those big really big running backs so uh, but there's no question he's he's a kid that uh, that you need to keep an eye on for 2019
1: yeah. Yeah, and obviously in this 2018 class, there's some names that have really emerged, um, kind of a, I would say, a group of about five or six. And we know about Cameron Juergens and, and Mastery Mapu, the two Husker commi- commits from Beatrice and York. Uh, but, Nate, another guy that, you know, w- it will be interesting. Bryson Williams, Lincoln Southeast. I wrote about him this week in my three two one that I think he could be a guy that emerges as much as anybody in this class, 6'2-1⁄2", What is he, with, 280?
3: Yeah, 279 is what he said.
1: Um, No fat on that body. Built very similar, like you said, to DeAndre Thomas. And, you know, if you were just to compare film and and eyeball test of how these guys played – He's probably a better pure football player than Mastery Mapu, but Mapu has the size and the upside advantage. But this is a kid, Nate, that could force people's hands and maybe even Nebraska's hand to make an offer in 2018 here.
3: I think so. I'm I'm a big fan of Bryson Williams as a player. I think that – um, like you said, uh, he, he reminds me, his build at 279, there's zero bad weight on this kid. He reminds me almost uh, identically of, uh, of De'Andre Thomas, the the Husker defensive tackle signee out of Oklahoma. Um, he's got a great, great uh, great motor. Um, he uses his hands very well. This is, uh, I mean, he's, he's a kid. At, at Nebraska's Friday Night Lights camp last year, I actually thought that Bryson Williams outplayed um, Mastery Maypew. I felt like he was probably the better player that night. I, I think Maypew you know, probably has the higher ceiling as a prospect, but there's no question that Bryson Williams is going to uh, command some respect here in the recruiting game because um, he's going to blow up. He, he already has a couple offers, South Dakota, South Dakota State, but there's no, no doubt in my mind he's going to be at the very least a kind of a, a regional offer guy here going forward.
1: And then, you know, lastly, as we kind of wrap it up here on the In-State Tour, Cameron Juergens has grown an inch, added 10 pounds. He's now 6'4", 245 um, in his junior year. And, you know, we've spent as much time with this kid as anybody in our history of the In-State Tour. We've met with him now three straight years in a row. I can remember I first heard about him from another college coach, and he said, you got to see this freshman tight end. at at Beatrice and this was a group of five assistant coach and he goes we're wasting our time I mean he's he's going to be way above our level and and you know it was interesting Nate to hear him this week talk about the teams that still continue to contact him including LSU who is on him um, like white on rice right now
3: yeah LSU he said that at least three times a day he gets messages from LSU um, and from as many as three different coaches on their on their staff they're coming after him hard um, and that's to be somewhat to be expected when you have a, a top 100 talent in the state you know a lot of times especially at this point in the recruiting process teams kind of start off by uh, going down the list you know the top 100 players top 250 players they kind of start um, evaluating some guys that they weren't able to get out and see in person and And Cameron Juergens is is, is as good of a a player as anybody in the country. I mean, he's a a legitimate top target. We have him in our top 100, um, you know, and I think – I think he can only go up from there, to be honest with you. When you look at his body of work, what he's done on the football field, on the basketball court.
1: Number um, one in the nation in shot and disc for sophomores last yeah, year. I mean, he's a world class athlete. Yeah, I mean, when you put, yeah. put in those numbers in perspective, that he's number one in this country in, in some of those track marks, and it, it just comes easy to him.
3: Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, he. I hate you know throwing out a, a bunch of hyperbole on, on guys, but he legitimately has a shot to be kind of a legendary high school figure in the state—a Larry just, Station,
1: a yeah. Scott Frost. I mean, someone of that nature, if it continues down that road. Mm-hmm. I
3: mean, he's uh, he's that type of of kid, um, and and the best thing about it is that he is about as humble uh, as a kid that you can ask for. I mean, he's just uh, real down to earth. Um, you know, not not uh, full of a bunch of drama or anything like that. So um, you know, Cameron Juergens has is, is got a chance to be pretty darn special.
1: We'll have more, though, throughout our, our tour as uh, we'll be out on the road for at least the next couple of weeks as we have several more uh, stops to make here. But when we come back, we're going to shift over to basketball as we discuss the current state of the program and, and where things are at with Coach Miles as this team continues to kind of spiral down the stretch. That's all next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washington. And we're kind of reaching that final stretch run of this basketball season. Uh, as we know, there's been a lot of peaks and valleys here with this 2016 17 Husker team. Great wins at Maryland and Indiana. Quality went over a team like Dayton. It played UCLA very respectable. Then you you get a huge home win against Purdue, but the season just still hasn't had that moment of consistency uh, where Nebraska kind of just had that one or two things happen where it turned around. And you know this team now um, gonna probably finish with a losing record unless things really change here the last uh, month of the season. But uh, very tough stretch here still to go and. Uh, it's debated it's brought up a lot of questions Robin about kind of the future of this program we know it's a young roster um, but you know it's going to be interesting to kind of see how this last month plays out
2: yeah and right now I'm still at the point where I don't think anything drastic is going to happen in terms of any coaching firings or, or anything to that extent but um like you said there's still time <laughs> with the, the final uh, handful of games they have left here onto the big 10 tournament they need to find a way to keep this ship afloat or, or at least relatively afloat and uh, not let it turn into a total disaster like we saw a couple years ago um, in 2014-15 and Um, you know, that's not going to be easy. I mean, you're you're talking about some pretty difficult games still left on your schedule with very few, if any, uh, quote-unquote, winny or gimme games. Uh, And so, uh, I mean, there's a lot of work to be done here. And then for a team that has, you know, lost... Um, you know, seven of eight going into their game against Wisconsin, um, you know, the, that's that's a chore right now because just finding ways to win has become increasingly difficult. I think they've found about every single possible way to lose a game uh, that you can think of uh, this year. And so um, you got to wonder how much fuel is left in the tank uh, to finish thing, this thing out strong. But um, I still think, it, unless it's a total disaster, um, you, you're going to see um, Tim Miles and his staff back here next season. And, you know, I know that... Uh, one thing Nebraska fans hate to hear is next year is the year because they've been hearing that for, you know, it's about like a Cubs uh, fan about, mentality. about two decades now <laughs> under three different coaching staffs and uh it just hasn't happened outside of, you know, one kind of flash in the pan year uh, a few years ago. So, um but truly the I do think that, you know, 2017-18 season is the year that you really have to base, you know, whether this coaching staff is is here for the long haul um, with the amount of talent that they're bringing in or have uh, coming in um, between transfers, between, um, you know, the the sophomore class currently you know going to be juniors next season um, and the freshman class that has had to play a lot of minutes this year. Um, the experience won't be a, a factor anymore. I mean, they're going to have the most experienced team that Tim Miles has ever had. Um, From a talent standpoint and a ranking standpoint, it'll be the most talent he's ever had and maybe the most talent Nebraska's had since Danny Knee. And the schedule will be significantly easier than what they faced this year. So um, the excuses won't be there. And if you can't win with all those things finally working in your favor then I think you really have to ask a tough question about, you know, if Tiv Miles is the guy and if he's going to be the one to get the job done, especially when you consider all the amount of money and resources that have been put behind this program since he's been here. Um, At some point you have to show results. And if that doesn't happen by next season, um, you know, then I think, you know, the writing's on the wall.
1: Robin, you mentioned next year's schedule. What do we know about the non-conference? Obviously Creighton and Kansas are on that schedule, but, What's the tournament, and, and what are some of the other games? Because I really feel the first thing they went wrong with this year is over-scheduling. I mean, they should not have scheduled to the magnitude that they did yeah. uh, when you break it down uh, with what this team was. I mean, you because know, if you could have just had maybe three or four replacement games that you win – it might have a different feel right now, but the fact that you kind of played almost every non-conference game—I think 75% of them were tough games—and and, and and that's not easy to do if you're trying to kind of coach for your job.
2: Yeah, and you know they built that schedule thinking that the roster was going to look a lot different. Um, you know they anticipated having Andrew White back. They anticipated Anton Gill you know, not only being healthy but being a much better player than what he was when he was healthy. Uh, and so you know there were a lot of. Uh, things that happened by the time that schedule was finalized to, you know, when the season started that, you know, didn't go exactly how Nebraska expected. So um, that, that made things pretty difficult when you're relying on a young team with, uh, you know, guys that are seeing minutes that, you know, they probably um, shouldn't be seeing uh, to play that that level of competition um you know obviously it makes things difficult so uh you know as far as next season goes i mean they, they have a tournament um i can't remember it off the top of my head right now um but it, it, it's is it a
1: four team or eight team? yeah
2: it's a it's a eight an eight team deal again and i i want to say it's down in florida but anyway I'm, don't quote me on that I have, to, I have to look it up but uh yeah uh, that was
1: last year was probably the toughest you know, pre-Christmas tournament they've been in in a number of years. Yeah,
2: I mean, when you start off with, um, you know, a, a team that won 25 games a year ago in Dayton, I mean, that's your opening game, and then you happen to win that game, and then you play UCLA, who at that point was a top-five team. Uh, I mean, that's... And then Virginia Tech. Yeah, and then you go up against a Virginia Tech team who, uh, just after beating... Uh, Nebraska went on to beat Michigan in Ann Arbor uh, the very next time out. So, I mean, you know, that that, that was a a grind right there. And you're talking about only being, you know, six games into your season. And then, oh, yeah, you travel all the way across the country your very next game out for the ACC Big Ten Challenge game against Clemson and lose that game in the final second. So, I mean, it it was a, a... meat grinder start to this year. Uh, And, you know, that really kind of, I think, set the tone um, for an uphill battle that this season has been all year long. Yeah, you get
1: behind on your bills and sometimes Mm -hmm. you just can't get caught up. And that's kind of what's happened to this team. I mean, they've had moments where it's looked promising, but they still are kind of, they can't balance the books. You know, it's just, it's been one of those types of years. And Robin, uh, Tim Miles didn't get a contract extension last year. That will be the elephant in the room. Like, how. How does Sean Eichhorst go forward with this? I mean, we know that these guys aren't drinking buddies. They're not hanging out. He's not coming over and staying the night at, at Eichhorst's house and, and spending time with him like maybe the football guys are doing. So there's kind of a clear line of professionalism there with these two. Um, Eichhorst hasn't really shown his hand, kind of a similar fashion the way things went down with Polini. So um, the next month or two will be very interesting to see how they go forward with Tim Miles, what kind of boat of confidence, if any, will they give him? Will they give him another year? Uh, there are a lot of questions that need to be answered by the administration side about what they want to do going forward.
2: Yeah, and as we all know, uh, I of course mo isn't to go and give you know daily um, you know reaffirming uh, statements about you know the the status of coaches. Um, unless it's Mike Riley. Uh, but th- th- that's kind of just the way that he's always kind of operated, and I don't expect that really to change. Um, and th- there's the kind of a, I guess, a misconception in my opinion that, you know, if a coach isn't renewed, then that's a negative tool in recruiting. Like, I mean – it only goes so far with kids. I mean, the the, the reality is uh, if they go into next season and do what they're supposed to do, you know, we're not even having this discussion right now. And um, Tim miles is still under contract and, you know, up until 2020. So, I mean, it's not like just because he's not getting that additional year put on his contract that all of a sudden he's not, he's going to be, his contract's going to be expire next season. So, I mean, he's still got a lot of time left on that contract. So, you know, I mean, the the fact is that the guys that are recruiting now will still probably play, you know, three or four years at minimum under Tim Miles if he doesn't get renewed. So I don't think that's really a pressing issue right now. But, um, you know, the, sometimes you do need to have, you know, your, your administration step up and offer that boat of support, um, especially, you know, when a team's going through a tough time like Nebraska is right now. And uh Again, I wouldn't expect anything to happen until after the season. But at some point, it would be nice if Sean Icores does plan on keeping Tim miles to just go ahead and get that out of the way uh, to kind of keep that talk at bay uh, at least for another year. Like, like I said, when when the real well,
1: and we saw what it did to Pelini. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it just it just roasted things, and 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 I think that was by design. I mean, they, they kind of wanted to create yeah. a chaotic environment where they mentally messed with Bo Pelini, and and you know, and it, it worked. I mean, the guy kind of lost his. What composure, you know, and and could not handle the fact he didn't know where he stood. Um, So you you have to think that goes through Miles mind a little bit that, you know, he he doesn't know where he stands right now. Mm -hmm. And and, and that can mess with anybody. I don't care. I mean, because you work very hard to get to this point. So uh, a lot to discuss. Um, as this final month of the basketball season continues. While we come back, we're going to bring in Matt Reynoldson, our Husker Online intern, and we'll take your questions next here in the mailbag. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com,
0: your authority on Nebraska athletics.
1: And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Wash, and Nate Klaus. Now we bring in our intern, Matt Reynoldson, as it's time to take your questions here in the weekly Husker uh, Husker Online (laughs) mailbag, Matt, uh, great to have you back on. I know it was a very busy uh, signing day for you, la- yeah, you, you and David last week, so it's great to have you on here this week.
0: Yeah, and it's great to be here for Milestone, your 100th ever Husker Online show.
1: How the heck did that happen, by the way, Robin and Nate? We have done 100 straight weeks of the Husker Online radio show, and uh, we kind of just launched this literally in my basement, and we still tape it in my basement, but we at least have like a professional studio now. and. Were uh, aired on multiple affiliates around the state of Nebraska 93.7 The Ticket, um, ESPN Radio and Kearney and Hastings, 1110 KFAB um, as well. So um, it's crazy what an idea in our basement has turned into over the last 100 shows, but uh, it's great, Robin, to. To, to get to do this every week with you guys.
2: It's come a long way, you know, and the fact that people are still listening to us after 100 episodes <laughs> says a lot. You know, we're, we're obviously, you know, not making total nonsense up. Uh, the time has
3: flown, though. I, I, <laughs> I, it doesn't feel like I've spent a uh, 100 days in Sean's basement
1: doing the show. Yeah, when you do put it like that, hundred <laughs> days in Sean's basement. <laughs> All right. Well, we've got a busy uh, mailbag here. Let's. What do you got for us this week, Matt?
0: A few questions about Bob Elliott. If he is indeed hired on as Nebraska's safety coach, do you think he'll play an analyst role as well?
1: Well, I mean, I, I don't think he'll be. I mean, he's going to be a coach, um, and uh, he's going to be a right-hand man. And I think it's a theory, as I mentioned in the opening segment. You kind of want to have someone next to you that's smarter than you, that knows more than you, but that you trust. And, and that's where Bob Elliott comes in. He, he's a mentor, um, kind of a father figure in the coaching world to Bob Diaco. And you know, when you put that kind of guy next to Elliott, I think, or next to Diaco, uh, I think that's really what the design of this hire is all about.
2: Yeah, I mean, just like he'll be a sounding board and, you know, coaches meetings and whatnot, and, um, you know, with game planning um, from a week to week basis. But, you know, at the same time, he's got his own, uh, you know, plate where he's got to, you know, coach an entire position uh, on the defense every week. So uh, the, the analyst role will be limited. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, for
3: me, it's a, it's a he provides a, a different perspective as what a lot of the other coaches can provide, and and the fact that he's so close with with Bob Diaco and and knows that defense so well um, is is probably right at the top of
0: the board. So, a different type of hire to control different types of players. And so, name a surprise player that you think will make a big splash in the spring and fall.
1: Who? That's a. I mean. <laughs> Oh, we're sticking on defense, obviously. Yep. Um with, with the scheme change, man, that I, I think, man, there, there's so many ways you could go with this debate, um, but I think Freedom Akamaladun will be better in this scheme. I don't know if he's fast. I mean, people think he's this like fast Randy Gregory guy, but he's not. I think he's going to be a better fit as a three-four defensive end, um, and I think you're going to see some moves. Um, with, with players that are DNs that will move to linebacker on the outside, and that will be the most intriguing thing to see kind of who they go with in some of these moves.
2: It's hard to pinpoint one of them, but I'm really intrigued to see how this linebacker situation shakes out in between uh, not only who's playing inside, who's playing outside, and what types of, you know, like you said, Sean, ends that potentially move uh, to maybe that, that pass rushing, you know, outside linebacker. Um, but, you know, there, there's some guys that I think that are going to get opportunities that they otherwise might not get, you know, the Muhammad Berry's, the Tyron Ferguson's, and, um, you know, you you go down the list. I mean, there's a lot of athletes that Nebraska can, you know, have a much better chance to use uh, than they probably wouldn't have uh, in the previous scheme.
3: Yeah, I'm kind of looking at the 2016 recruiting class with some guys that redshirted last year, like a Colin Miller, Quayshawn Alexander. I think this move really benefits those guys and their skill sets, and I'm really excited to see you know what they really bring to the table this spring and, and if they can possibly
0: have kind of a breakout spring. Sticking with the player personnel theme, does Nebraska have a two-way player currently on the roster? Yeah.
1: <laughs> um. You know, I don't I don't know if you're going to see anybody. It's it's so hard to do, and it's kind of, as Nate can shed light on it's become a recruiting pitch with some of these high-profile West Coast guys because everybody wants to be the next Adoree Jackson. Um, but when you look at this group of guys, I just don't see anyone, Nate, um, in the incoming freshman class that you would put on both offense and defense.
0: Well, a reminder last year that, when Nebraska was low on quarterbacks, Lamar Jackson was listed as a name to possibly play quarterback.
3: Yeah, and and that was, I mean, that was brought up in Lamar Jackson's recruitment that hey, there's a possibility that that you could play some wide receiver, um, or you know if if we ever had a a gadget play or you know kind of a gimmicky you know, wide, quarter, you know wildcat quarterback deal, um, you could see yourself there. So I mean, Lamar Jackson is a possible you know guy that could could play both ways, but, um, you know, Elijah Blades has done it too in this in this recruiting class, although, I mean, that really wasn't brought up to him as far as being, a, you know, in a Dory Jackson package or Jabril Peppers type of guy. So um, I don't really see it on um, anybody on the roster or, or on, with too many incoming guys. I think guys.
1: Sue's the last guy. I mean, Sue did some fullback, remember? Yeah, um, yeah. And, and that, that was, I felt like, to kind of build his Heisman campaign. Oh, for sure. And did he catch a touchdown in one game, or did – I know they – Tried to throw to him once. I want to
3: say that he did catch a touchdown in the flat. Yeah. I, I remember that. Yeah, he got he did. one.
1: He was still no Barry Turner, though. No. <laughs> well, Barry Turner was a really good high school I know he was. tight end. And they used him. All right, what do you got left here, Matt?
0: Um, Juco transfers. Any any buzz on that? I know a lot of people are talking about a nose tackle transfer from UConn
3: um well yeah i mean if that's that would be a graduate transfer if that happened does he want to be a graduate transfer do we even know that we don't even know that but there's there's most definitely some speculation out there that he could be a potential candidate for a grad transfer Um, and and he would be a good kid. and when you look at his numbers i'm drawing a blank on his name right now but when you look at the the production that he put up last year he he for a nose nose tackle in in the three four he put up some tremendous numbers i know he was kind of the the rock of 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 their front seven there at UConn. And, and, uh, I mean, obviously, he knows the defense. Uh, I'm sure that Bob Diaco is is, uh, pretty familiar with him as well. So, I mean, there's a lot of connections. I I think it would make sense, but we'll see what happens. I mean, Nebraska tried to get one last year was uh, Stevie Twilow. He ended up being really good. Uh, and he did end up being really good. I mean, he was a big time player for uh, for USC. So, uh, I mean, that kind of that really hurt missing out on him. But we'll see what happens when you go that grad transfer route. All of a sudden, um, you know, may- with maybe one school in mind, all of a sudden there's there's a bunch of options on the table. Um, you know, USC's, Alabama's, big time programs like that come calling. Uh, so we'll we'll see what happens.
0: What about high school guys? What are the positions that Nebraska feels they need to focus on in 2018 recruiting class?
3: Well, I think there's uh, I mean, the offensive and defensive lines are, are given. So, I mean, those are, those are two. Position groups. I think Nebraska always has to continue to focus on going forward, especially being in the Big Ten. Uh, but defensive backs are going to be huge. I think they're going to have to sign four defensive backs in this class, um, with possibly three of them being corners. Um, you know, since they only brought in one defensive back signing in this past class, and and then wide receivers again are going to be crucial. I think they'll take three. Um, you know, and after kind of following short the past two years. Um, Keith Williams is going to have to kind of hit another home run with three big-time uh, talented players in, in this year's recruiting class. And I think he can do that. I, I In fact, I expect him to do it. But, um, yeah, those are probably the two biggest uh, needs going into uh, 2018.
1: All right, well, that wraps it up here uh, for this edition of the Mailbag segment. As always, each week you get the chance to uh, post your questions on the Red Sea Scrolls on Wednesday, and and we'll take the best ones here on the air. And sometimes we might work a troll question or two in uh, <laughs> if the interns feel like it's necessary. But uh, when we come back, we will close the show with more recruiting talk. That's next year. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics final segment here of the Husker online show Sean Callan and a class as we close it up like we do every week talking some Husker recruiting and you know still some work going on Nate in this 2017 class particularly uh with a very high profile walk-on uh, target and Cade Warner the son of former NFL Hall of Fame quarterback Kurt Warner and um you know there's some thoughts that uh will be—he's going to be visiting Nebraska unofficially this weekend. You got to think, maybe—is there a Billy Devaney connection there to Kurt Warner at all from the NFL days um, or anything like that that could help Nebraska just with the familiarity and relationships with that Warner family?
3: Yeah, I'm—I'm I'm not exactly sure what the primary connection is or or was. For Nebraska and and Cade Warner, I know that one of the defensive GAs um, used to coach at, at the same high school that that Cade Warner is at. So that's actually that has been one of the one of the. Main connections or main uh, sources of, of information where um, I think you know Nebraska's need for for walk-on wide receiver um, or wide receivers in general kind of kind of came from and and how the ball kind of got rolling there. But obviously, I would think that Kurt Warner has crossed paths with Mike Riley before or, or Billy Devaney before. Um, you know, especially going back to you know both of them being tied to St. Louis uh, with the Rams and everything. So, um, and then, and, and of course, Kurt's from, originally from Iowa. So I think that he's probably got some connections uh, back in the Midwest too, but it's an interesting deal because this is a, this is a player who played for one of the biggest high schools in the state of Arizona, had over a thousand yards receiving, a he's six two, hundred 190 pound kid who's got terrific hands. Um, and, uh, Uh, Had an outstanding senior season, but has literally no offers, no scholarship offers. He's got an offer to San Diego, but that's like a a non-paid – Um, non-scholarship, non-scholarship, Division One. one. Jim
1: Harbaugh was the coach there, though, and they actually made the FCS playoffs as the non-scholarship D ones. But yeah, it's it's a difference. Like when a kid tells us they get a Drake offer, we're like, well, you know, Drake doesn't offer scholarships. (laughs) Yeah, so
3: I mean, it's it's totally bizarre to be honest with you. Like you would think that this kid, especially being Kurt Warner's son, uh, would have at least like a Northern Arizona or something, but he has nothing. Um, you know, Cal has kind of come in the picture. Iowa had been in the picture. Um, but he's going to be visiting Nebraska this weekend. And, and, uh, and I kind of feel like if the visit goes well and, and they're comfortable with, with everything, Nebraska should be able to land, uh, Cade Warner this weekend. And, um, like you mentioned in the open, this would be kind of a, another high-profile recruit. Um, you know, the son of a high-profile dad. Um, you know, kind of go right along with Keyshawn Johnson Senior and and Les Miles, and it's going to be um, a hell of a
1: parents' picnic football game going on. Yes, with all these dads out there. Think
3: about that. All those Les Miles, Keyshawn Johnson Senior. Um, Could we
1: get Keyshawn and, and Kurt to, to to run some routes or something? That'd be pretty fun to see. Well,
3: Rick Spielman come down, the GM from uh, from the Vikings. <laughs> I mean seriously <laughs> less miles
1: can coach him up. Yep. I mean uh,
3: there are there are some some big time uh, dads that are all of a sudden tied with Nebraska's program. But uh, I do think that if things go well this weekend, we could very well see Cade Warner be brought on as a walk-on. And, and personally, from watching the film, I think he's the type of kid who uh, will definitely end his career at Nebraska if he were to choose to come uh, to Lincoln on scholarship. I, I think he's the type of kid that, that eventually uh, gets put on scholarship a year or two down the road. Uh, obviously, you know, much like Keyshawn Jr., um, is a very polished kid, n- understands the game extremely well, understands uh, you know how to prepare and, and everything that goes into play a, football.
1: If they get this guy in the walk-on, this would be you know a really good walk-on class considering kind of how much it – I don't want to say it fell off, but let, let's call it what it is. Last year's walk-on class was one of the more underwhelming groups that you and I have seen. And then a lot of that was the transition of mm-hmm. kind of not having – a guy running it that really knew the state. And, and I think with Kenny Wilhite kind of directing it this year, they did a much better job. John Perella got heavily involved, and this would kind of be the final piece. And, um, you know, you, you mentioned this high-profile nature of it. It kind of reminds me a little bit. Robert Gronkowski had a brother that walked on at Kansas State and ended up being like a draft pick. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying this kid's a draft pick, but – It's just crazy that, you know, when you have the high profile name like this, that you could fly under the radar, especially with the numbers that he had. Maybe he made it known that they didn't want to go to like a lower profile D1, that they had intentions really of only going to a big-time program.
3: Yeah, I don't, and I don't think that's the case. It, it very well could be, but it, I don't think that uh, that's really how the Warners operate. I think that they would have been open to pretty much anybody. Um, now, I do know that another connection was uh, Danny Langsdorf was down in Phoenix watching an underclassman quarterback work out uh, at Basha High School, um, and and Cade Warner happened to be running routes for him that day during, during the workout that Danny Langsdorf watched. So, um, I know Danny Sort has been able to, to kind of see him work out in person and was uh, obviously impressed with him too. But uh, definitely an interesting development, uh, not only because Nebraska needs quality wide receivers, but all of the other kind of storylines that, that come along with it. And and who knows, maybe this could kind of help Nebraska be- get back into the Phoenix area because that's a, that's an area that has been pumping out a ton of talent and there's a, there's a handful of former Huskers down there. And Charlie
1: McBride lives down there, right? Char-
3: yeah, Charlie McBride lives down there. Um, You know, you've got uh, Bobby Newcomb, uh, Baron Miles, uh, you know, Toby Wright. uh, Oh, as far as West
1: Coast cities, Arizona has as big of a Husker presence as any city as far as fans. I mean, Mm -hmm. I used to go down there for years and speak to hundreds of Husker fans at these clubs down there, and and there's probably three or four Husker bars down there um, and transplants that move out there. I mean, it it definitely is kind of one of those – towns or if nebraska played a game at arizona state i mean there'd be twenty thousand nebraska fans there just because of how many people from nebraska live out in arizona
3: yeah easily uh, i know there's a there's a nebraska store like a, a fan shop or an apparel store uh, yeah, in oh yeah, scottsdale right
1: in downtown scottsdale uh i've been i've been to the lady's house um, <laughs> she's got a parrot that can say husker <laughs> i mean the lady's about as diehard as it gets um she's a real estate agent has the store um You've got um, a Clancy's bar owned by the Clancy's owners of Omaha down in Scottsdale. Wow. So, yeah, it's it's a, it's funny when you go down in some of these cities um, how many uh, Husker connections are down there. One other thing, Nate, I wanted to get on here before we run out of time. Um, we talked to Cam Jurgens this week, uh, mentioned a little bit about him earlier in the show, but um, this is something that I think you and I both maybe saw coming, but uh, Jurgens could end up being a better fit now going forward as an outside linebacker or an inside linebacker in Bob Diaco's scheme versus maybe a tight end?
3: Yeah, I, th- I think so. And and we've kind of t- talked about it a little bit um, in the past. I mean, Cameron Juergens when he committed to Nebraska uh, was already a phenomenal athlete, but uh, he was super young and, and we knew that he was going to continue to grow continue to to kind of mature and develop. Well, um, when we saw him this week, he's 6'4", 245 you know, still super super broad shoulders, looks skinny at 245, so who knows how big he's actually going to end up being, but um, I, I do. I, I think that that he might have more opportunity to make a bigger impact on the defensive side of the football, uh, either as an outside or inside linebacker, uh, in this, especially in the new defensive scheme, and um, and maybe even you know improve his chances to to make a little bit more money, uh, possibly playing professionally if things go that that route with, for him eventually. But yeah, you look
1: at like a Vince Beagle or T.J. Watt at Wisconsin, how they are utilizing the three four Nate. I mean, he's built a lot like those guys. Guys are and he's athletic enough to do a lot of the same things those guys did last year.
3: Yeah, I, re- I really think so. And um, and he's open to that. He he told us, you know, I, I think I think he ideally would like to to continue to be a tight end, but but he did say he said, hey, look, I'm a football player, so wherever Nebraska needs me is is where I could, uh, you know, is where I'm going to play. And and I know he, he said that he had a conversation with Tavita Thompson here just recently when and Tavita told him flat out, hey you could potentially play about five different positions for us. Uh, when, once you get on campus, you're, you're that good, you're that athletic. Uh, so that's something that is obviously being talked about by Nebraska, and, um, and w- is we're going to continue to talk about it going forward, too.
1: Well, that wraps it up here for this edition of the Husker Online Show. Make sure you log on the site as, well, plenty of news, more from the in-state tour and um, other breaking news uh, involving the coaching staff, all that here Uh, on huskeronline.com.
0: Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.